0: Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Everybody doing on this cool day today. Yeah, beautiful. Open your Bibles, if you could. We're going to go to somewhere. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna go to Matthew, and then we're gonna jump over to Ephesians and do all this in 30 minutes. So, so get ready. Uh, I, I, this is starting a new series uh, in our Strong Together year. You know, obviously coming back from COVID, we're still in the process of whatever that's going to look like. But we're already looking ahead. We're looking ahead to. Where God's taking us, what's his trajectory in our lives as a group? We know that it's big time community. God wants us to really join together. This is not only a trend in culture right now, it's been a trend in the church for 2000 years. So we wanna to join together, get to know one another. It's important and I'll explain to you why in just a few minutes. But he's calling us also to join together, not just for mutual edification or building up, but to grow stronger together as a group, that as a group and as an entity that's here of the ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church, the called out ones, we've got purpose, we've got a voice, and I've been conflicted. He's past uh, probably well since the beginning of the year, so what's that, six weeks I guess, five weeks. Uh, I feel such a, a pull toward a direction of connection and commitment and so forth, but also feel a real pull toward having a voice uh, in, a, in a season of our history where voices are being silenced the whole cancel culture thing that's hitting every one of us i mean you may be in agreement or disagreement it all depends on kind of which side of the spectrums you're on i guess but i can tell you this that jesus doesn't cancel people jesus doesn't have a big eraser which is he goes that's it you're out aren't you glad that you live in a jesus culture that that doesn't do that and yet we are in a culture right now in America where there's a, there's a push toward that. And we're, we're really praying against that, actually. You know, we're praying that God will allow every person to have a voice, even if it's a voice that we disagree with. And so we're in that tension of being a prophetic church. A prophetic church is going to have a reputation, you know. They're a little edgy. They say things they probably shouldn't say. They're not real Community oriented. We want to create something fresh and new with the prophetic. We actually want a voice, but we want a voice of love. We want a voice that speaks into situations and has the love of God attached to it, so truly we can speak the truth in love. Not some kind of guise of love, but literally people will feel the love of God in how we communicate with one another. Turn to the person next to you and say, Do you have problems communicating with me? Ask awesome, huh? them For those of you online, there's a lot of discussion going on right now, especially between couples. Yeah. Yeah, remember, you know, the scripture, the age old scripture that we always use in church, so powerful that it says, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his very best. So love is marked by giving. This is our love month. We're focusing on it every Sunday this month. I'm going this week, next week. Jerry's gonna do the third week and Chris Gore's gonna do the fourth week. We wanna explore what love looks like. I'm especially excited about next week, Valentine's Day. We're giving a free gift out to everyone. We just wanna show love in a practical way. But also, it's, it's about the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, sometimes in charismatic circles. We're very keen to know the work of the Spirit of God called spiritual gifts, which is spirit gifts. It's the Spirit of God. But, but there's also this part in the Bible that talks about spirit fruit, spiritual fruit. And so a couple years ago, you know, this has been this kind of theological, practical battle, I think, in the church for a long time, determining which comes first. Does it take the fruit of the Spirit to engage you in spiritual gifts? I I could argue that side. I could argue that. But it was a couple years ago, it became revelation to me because if we wait for everyone to get perfect, we're going to get nothing done. And you can't be used because you're not perfect. You can't be used because I don't like the way you dress today. You can't be used because. I heard that you lost your temper. You can't be used because I don't like, I mean, it can go on and on and on. Whatever your prejudice is, just insert that in right there. But what we realize is God God actually uses processes to conform you into the image of God. We need one another. I know you don't like that. You know, the Bible says, I quote this often, I think it's a great verse, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, one man sharpens another. That when you're together, There's rubbing going on. What? You believe what? You're a Democrat. You're Republican? Don't tell me you voted for Trump. Don't tell me you voted for Biden. How old are you? Kind of bold, aren't you? Like 40's pretty old. I'm just joking. You live where? Bronze Tucky? Hmm. I mean the judgments they go on and on and we decide real quick don't really want to hang out with that group did you know some of the best relationships I've had in my life are ones that I didn't plan and that initially I didn't really like I'm not going to mention who it, are, who it is because then people will go "Whoa, he's talking about me and you didn't like me at the beginning now I'm hurt I'm leaving the church I'm going somewhere so I'm not going to mention it but God brings about people in your life that initially you prejudge. That's prejudice. You prejudge and go, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you're a Christian, so you make it look good. You know, I love them. They're great people and everything. It's just not who I really want to hang out with. We actually I isolate ourselves now from people, you know, and, and we we have frameworks within Christianity to legitimize not loving somebody else. We do. I just don't feel it's good for where I am right now to be around that person. I just need to hold them out of my life. I mean, we've read so many books on boundaries and, and you know how to, how to stay in perfect. But let me tell you, perfect peace has nothing to do actually with who you're with. Perfect peace has to do with who's in you. If, if Christ is in you, He goes for the broken, hurting different people. And I preached out of John 4 on our Wednesday night uh, Bible study called Deeper. It is really good. I watched it this week online. Ryan Otto, one of our new pastors up in Middleburg, did it. Did a great job. Very connective, funny guy, you know. Really got the scripture and actually taught people how to study the word of God. It was very good. Every Wednesday night you can join us. I think it hangs around on the internet for you know to eternity till Jesus comes but anyway on Wednesday night it's live and you can you know ask questions and things like that we have a moderator but you know it's when I was teaching it a couple weeks ago I got into John 4 I volunteered for John 4 because I love John 4 because John 4 as I mentioned last week is Jesus taking the shortest most efficient route from where he was to he was heading north into uh Galilee And he went through a forbidden zone by the spiritual leaders called Samaria. Now remember, Jesus had in his heart a promise that he was gonna communicate a couple years later that his believers were to go to Jerusalem, Judea, which is kind of, you could say, the county or area. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He specifically talks about a region that is forbidden from religious people going to, and the uttermost parts of the world just to cover everything that he might have missed. But he specifically mentions Samaria because Samaria would irritate Pharisees, religious people. They'd be like, Samaria, what what would you hang? So he goes to a city that has a nickname Sychar, which I mentioned last week, which meant drunkenness, liars, cheats. So you can imagine having a city that has a nickname. Like if they said Cleveland was, say, the mistake on the lake or something. you know, Which they did for a long time. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's the cold north, you know. It's the rust belt, it's the rusty city. It's, I mean, there was all kinds of names. I remember uh, my, my uh, uh, the code name for Cleveland back in CB radio days, you remember that? Hello, Breaker, Brick19? Break, break you remember that? It was about a three-year period where we had the internet in the 70s. And you were connected. All truckers had CB radios, and now so did people. So it was like we were bombarded. You yeah, know, break one nine, uh, calling out to that uh, smoky, uh, just came uh, northbound on the uh, I-71. Uh, so we're helping people out to know, connecting with one another, you know. I know some of you young people are like, wow. What was that? It happened. It happened for a three-year period. I was Buckeye boy. This Buckeye boy heading south on 71 uh, through Bruns, Tucky. And uh, just letting you know, there's a smoky uh, sitting on the left there. You might want to, on the eastbound side, you might want to keep an eye out for him. All right, good. I did my, my community service, you know. But if I was heading toward Cleveland, I was coming from the big sea, Columbus, up to the dirty city. That's what it was in the 70s. The dirty city was Cleveland. And so there's these nicknames. Jesus goes to the nickname town that means drunkenness. He meets in a public drinking hole. I don't want to compare that to anything that's going on right now. But he goes to a public drinking hole in midday and meets and talks with a woman. All these things are no, no, no. Now I'm not saying you go out to a drinking hole and talk with a woman. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you what Jesus did. And he did it because he knew that there was a key to open all of Samaria through one woman who was living in a sinful situation. She was living with another guy. By the way, that's sin, according to the word of God. Just in case, it's called fornication in scripture. You know, in case you're looking it up, wanna make sure. It's, it's a sin. He speaks to her. She says, I, I ha- have no husband. And he says, you speak right. You've had five husbands and the one you're living with. It's not your husband. So Jesus goes in, touches the core of this woman's position and where she is, probably aggravates her because she changes the subject, gets on something else. But Jesus knows this is going to end well and it's going to be a key. She tells the whole area about what Jesus did and multitudes of people come to know Jesus Christ. And so love penetrates dark places goes into difficult people goes breaks all prejudices by the way it goes into neighborhoods and places you would not normally go to but it brings the light of god it brings the love of god to demonstrate that jesus christ and his church are here to show something that's very different than what the world is offering yeah. Oh, yeah. love yeah. love together there it is right there love together I mean, all these songs. I get in my car. I got Sirius Radio, you know. I love living, listen to 70s music. So I've got a number one preset is 70s music, and I sing it all. You know, I go through all the songs. I love it when I'm going somewhere. You know, it's a, you know. And this week it was uh, uh, what is it? Sly and the uh, uh, just there's some other 70s people there. I know. <laughs> I knew that. I was just checking. But you know, we are family. And I'm driving down there. We are family. All of my sisters and me. I mean, we we're And I'm hitting it the best I can. You know, you sing in other voices when you're in a shower and places like that, because you know no one listens. So I can do whatever I want, don't judge me. And so I'm singing, you know, we are family. And then other songs come to me, you know, about uh, all you need is love. All you need is love. love. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Love is all you need. Na, 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 na. I mean, you go through it, it's like well, there's kind of been a theme around for a while. People want to be connected, people want love, people don't want rejection, but we continue to sow that in our hearts. So I've been conflicted between these two things, and I'm mixing it up right now, but it, it hits me when I hear that. Uh, John the this came out of the wilderness. Why did people go to the wilderness to see a wild man who's been eating locusts and, and wild honey? I mean, you meet this man. I'm sure he had a healthy beard. He was Jewish. Lived in the wilderness. I don't know how he smelled. But he lived in the wilderness. He probably had a starry gaze in his eye. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. People were afraid of, it, but they also entertained by it. The Pharisees, everyone would go to see John the Baptist, like, what's he going to do today? It's a picture of the church. Not that we look weird and smell bad, but there's something about we come out of the wilderness and we have a voice, a voice in the wilderness, a voice that speaks out of a difficult time. It says, repent and prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his way straight. So I have that in my heart. I mean, I feel that prophetic unction to want to speak where voices are being silenced. I, I, I'm so tempted, you know, to just speak with a greater clarity. But I really do feel we're in a season right now where the Lord is readjusting our thinking. He's getting us out of a political consciousness. We've been afraid of political spirits in the church. And no, no doubt they are there in some places. But what about the political spirit in our very government? And people have attached to that. And they've, they've been swept up with something that, that gets them off of a central understanding of the kingdom of God. On, on January 6th, when I saw people charging into the Capitol building, I was not excited about it. I was grieved by it. Especially because I saw the flag the United States flag going in, and then right behind it was a flag that said Jesus. And I thought, oh, no, no, the Crusades are back again. That, that, boy, it's quiet right now. But the violence that our only reaction after thousands of years of soaking in the presence of God is violence. That's not right. Now, I know that they don't represent everyone in the United States, but it's a sector. It's a, it's a piece of Christianity in the United States and the world is appalled. Christians around the world are appalled at what happened in America. It is not celebrated around the world. And so things come to my mind like, remember, remember Peter when he, when he, when the guards were coming to get Jesus and, and the high priest had a servant there and his name was Malchus. Do you remember that? And I don't know what Malchus was doing, but Malchus was there with others to arrest Jesus. Peter, in expected fashion, pulls out his sword and swings at the guy. And the tradition is, it doesn't say this exactly in Scripture, but the tradition is, I mean, how do you get a sword and only cut an ear off? That's a, that's a pretty good aim, actually. But they believe that he was going to cut his head off. Malchus, in response to seeing a sword, would, have, would move like this and shoo, cut his ear off falls on the ground and and he's told to put his sword away and Jesus reaches down takes this is the this is the picture of the church you know as some are cutting ears off some need to heal and put the ears back on it's funny it's cutting the hearing off cutting the hearing off but the church reaches down and gets the ear and say here let me I may not agree with what you're doing I may not agree that you're arresting my savior right now but that was not right here. Let's put this back on. And you imagine they still arrested him? Like if you had been there seeing that, you see the guy's ear laying on the ground. All of a sudden, Jesus picks it up and puts it back on with some kind of supernatural glue. He puts it on there and says, oh, I guarantee you Malchus heard better than he'd ever heard before. In fact, there's tradition, uh, no way of substantiating this, that Malchus became a follower of Jesus Christ. And so you look at that and you go, that makes sense. That kind of makes sense. So Peter... It now goes through about a 50 day period. It's a little more than that, but a 50 day period where God moves him from the natural response of being violent to the natural response of of deep compassion and the burden of the Lord. Because on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and lifts up his voice. His voice is now the sword. He's not cutting ears off, he's cutting hearts. It says that in the Bible. They were cut to the heart with what he said. And they gave their lives, 3,000 of them, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting. When it gets out of the hand, when it gets out of the hand of violence being the solution for believers in Jesus Christ and move to the side of let me give you some true history here of what just happened and let me tell you right now, it is in Jesus Christ and him alone. When you begin to speak like that, you're going to cut to the heart. You're going to make enemies for sure. It's called the sufferings of Christ. You're going to make enemies, but you're going to cut hearts open. Now Peter, the one who cut ears off years later, or or 50 days later, is now doing surgery in people's hearts with what he says. You say, well, it's a one-off. No, it isn't. It's an outlier. It doesn't, I mean, it's not, I mean, yeah, that was a one, you know, that was one point, it was Peter, he's with Jesus, I get it. Contextually, that's historically true, but I mean, there's nothing we can really draw out of that. Yeah, that's true. Until you think of Moses. And you think of Moses when he escaped with over a million people out of Egypt and literally took their gold and silver, which was given to them. It was the grace of God. Here, take this. Can you imagine that? Here, I have $100,000. Would you just take it for me? I mean, you'd be like, Sure, I can take that. And then you leave. You leave the country. They get out of the wilderness. They get out in the wilderness, and immediately we know what happens. This was a consistent pattern of the children of Israel of which the church is compared to many times. They get out in the wilderness, and they complain. Where's God? You know, they just came out of being saved through uh, a, a sea the Red Sea that needed to be departed. I know there's all kinds of rumors. Well, it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. There was a Reed Sea back then, too, which was actually just a swamp. And I remember my pastor preaching when I was a little boy. It sticks in my head. He said the greatest miracle, if that's true, he said the greatest miracle happened that was even uh, possibly greater than the uh, miracle that we believe in. That the waters parted and everyone walked through on dry ground. And so if it was just they said, well, it was just like a swamp and period times of the year, that swamp is dry. And so, you know, that wasn't that big of a miracle. I mean, they just walked out and 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 you can say, okay, let's say I agree with that. The next thing, he took a little swamp that's like ankle deep and buried the enemies of god all of egypt his horse and riders thrown to sea can you imagine a valiant warrior laying in about six inches of water going i can't get up i can't get up an entire army doing that no this was a sea walls were on each side you saw the movie they walked right through the middle of it like you know i'd be walking pretty fast i would definitely wouldn't be in the back row and so you get through that and they look back like, oh, no, the enemies of God are following us through in the middle of that. And the Bible says all of a sudden the wheels started falling off and the dry ground got muddy. It was like a little leak in the bottom of this thing, you know, and, and, and they're, they're falling down enough time for Israel to get totally out of the water. And then, boom, it all closes in and they dance. Remember, Miriam, horse and rider thrown into the sea. We sang that in the 70s. Just came to me it's the celebration that my enemies were cut off so Moses gets on the other side you think this would be such an incredible event that the rest of their lives they're like oh I believe God for anything I believe God for money I mean look he I believe God for water I believe God for food but they, they were constantly complaining Lord, I mean it's like grandchildren we had them over for six hours yesterday there's a lot of complaints between the three of them Constant complaints, you know. I mean, and that I think uh, it's okay for six hours, but for forty years, forty years. So they get to this place and it's, there's no water, there's no water. So Moses goes to the rock. Right. They said, "We've been better off in Egypt. Better off. Why don't you just... who are you? Why did you bring us out of here to Bruntstucke? Why would you bring us out of this place it's just to die and be dry out here? I don't get it. Why? 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 And so Moses." he comes to the lord says lord they're complaining They, they want to go back to egypt he said i'll tell you what to do strike the rock strike the rock and water will come out so he goes out there he strikes this big rock now this is so interesting because there was a jewish tradition there's still a jewish tradition that a rock with water followed them for 40 years in the wilderness That there was a literal rock that would follow them and supply water. They were supplied water out of this rock that he struck for 40 years. 40 years. In fact, in Corinthians, it says that. It says, and that rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. Whoa, what? 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 And so the striking of the rock was a picture in the midst of complaint that Jesus would be the representative, that Jesus received the, strikes, the stripes in his own physical body. What's interesting though, 40 years later, Moses' sister dies, Miriam, and at her death, the, the water ceased to flow out of the rock. Theologians are at a mystery about that. What does that really mean? We don't really know. It was an end of an era, beginning of a new era. Here they stand on the edge of the promised land, which represents the promise of God. They stand on the edge of the promised land. Will they walk into that promised land? What did they do? They complained after after all these years, 40 years of having water, they complained that the water stopped. How many of you know that sometimes the water stops so you can believe for something greater? So he goes, Moses goes to, To the Lord, and he says, Lord, the water stopped. They're complaining because there's no water. What does God say, do you remember? He said, Moses, go speak to the rock. Oh, he went from striking the rock to speaking to the rock. Why? Because it's part of the transformation of the Christian walk. Going from violence, anger, frustration, into somebody who's able to shape things with what they say, with what they communicate. All he had to do was go out there and say, water, come forth water come forth and poo to come but he got angry he got frustrated because everyone was complaining the grandkids were running all over the place yelling all kinds of things it's mine 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 yours mine I don't mean, say yours mine 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 you know going back and forth this is what was happening to millions of people out there for 40 years uh, I mean oh boy I mean uh, Moses was just like oh please get me out of this situation Well, he didn't know he was about to get out of that situation he was told by God to speak to the rock He got so frustrated, he struck it twice, boom, and water came out, just like the other rock. But he came back to the Lord, probably like, All right, I got that done. He said, Listen, you lost trust in who I am. And because of it, you will not enter into the promises of God. Wow. He and Aaron both. What? Lord, the water still came out. It's not always the end, it's the means. I was introducing a whole new understanding after their 40 years in the wilderness that the rod is not necessary anymore. The voice coming out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It will give you everything you need. Now, that takes us right now to Ephesians, and I want to just go through this real quick in my last seven minutes here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is a uh, a very mystical part of Scripture. Uh, Ephesians. Fortunately, it's divided into two parts. First three chapters, second three chapters. And uh, I want to look at this, how the Lord wants to shape us. Did you know the most powerful thing regarding heaven and earth? Don't we believe that? Like, thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we always think about external things or processes we're working through or whatever. Lord Jesus, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In fact, literally in the Aramaic, it says, come thy kingdom, be done thy will. It's a very directive kind of a thing, you know. That's the Lord's prayer. And so we're bringing heaven to earth. And it's always funny to say, oh, Lord, this person I'm praying for, may heaven come down and touch their body, touch their heart, What we seldom realize is that that same power of heaven is gonna come right here into my heart. Your greatest promised land in your life is you it's you i'm not real comfortable with that you're the problem i'm looking in the mirror right now i'm the problem too the problem is me it's not who's around you because you can transcend that it's not the circumstances around you you can transcend that it's not someone holding you back you can transcend that Love can get shaped in your heart and open doors that would never be opened by you. And trust me, the doors he opens up are way better than the doors you get by manipulating or control or whatever it might be and so in the first three chapters he talks about the heavenly relationship you must understand the heavenlies you must understand the process but, but think what this says I'll, I'll just cover it real quick ephesians 1 says blessed be the lord our god christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in christ so you begin to understand we understand the blessing side bring it on lord <laughs> That kingdom come thy will be done in steve with as it is in heaven He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. Well, that's enough right there. You just read that. You could chew on that for a couple years right there. Ephesians 1 9, He says, Having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, He wanted to give you, He wanted to show you the secrets that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one. I love that gather together. Gather together in one all things in Christ, both, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying he's gonna knit something together down here on earth from the power of heaven like what's in heaven will come down to earth and it's gonna be done through him. The unity of the spirit. Sorry, I gotta read a little faster. So if you can't understand me, pray for interpretation. Ephesians 2 says this, it moves on. One, two, and three. Remember chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three is is what's going on in heaven. Why the power that is accessible through us in heaven. Chapter two says, and we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. I wish I could do a chant right now. I've been in a chanting mood lately. You know, it says this. There's three parts to it. We are his. He has prepped. We should do. We are his. He has prepped. We should do. That's what it it boils down to. We are his. He has prepared us since the foundation of the world that we should do what he's told us to do. This is not some lazy Christianity. It's not a lack of days go, you know, well, let's just see what happens. And I don't know, I'm just kind of moving in life and, you know, I'm praying for favor. Of course, I want favor. But there's no impact on our soul. Our souls remain corrupted, separated. I'm trying to think of words to help here. Displeasing to God. Even though we're believers following him. We align ourselves with him in order to move toward greater purity. It is one of our greatest gifts to the Lord, saying Jesus impacted my life and transformed who I am. All right. Ephesians 2 and 3 says things like, uh, I'm just gonna skip through it here. We are strangers that are becoming a household. We're being built together for a dwelling place. This, these are, this is heaven's intention. Let me put it really plain. This is what Jesus expects <laughs> of believers, followers. I don't know what our expectations are in the American church. I know what mine have been in the past, but I'll tell you one thing. I mean, I love things to grow. I believe it's good to be fruitful. I believe it's good to add people. It's good to open up and and allow people to know the goodness and grace of God and everything else. But but really what he's doing is he's building us together as a dwelling place that he may come and fill us up. When that happens, people will know what's going on. The church is important as a counterculture. Right now, it does not have any influence in America right now, or very little. Partly because of January 6th. So right now, we're rebuilding a culture that is counter to the culture that is out there. That's why I don't want to put certain things in my mouth and in my communication because I believe that that's the culture that says that. I want to come up with a counterculture that transcends the current culture because the current culture is not moving in the right direction it says that we're to be rooted and grounded in love i mean the very core of who we are is about love knowing the love of christ that surpasses knowledge in other words the church is to is to have a taste that is what heaven looks like people should encounter you talk with you and say you know for the first time in my life i i understand what heaven is i understand who jesus is I know you're an imperfect person. I've worked with you for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. But there's something that's, that's come on in your life right now. There's a light that has come on. It's like life is in you, and that life has become a light to all men. Wouldn't that be fun? That's exactly what Jesus did in John 1. So it's the testimony that we're moving forward that people will see in us something different. So we are moving from mystery, the first three chapters in Ephesians, mystery to mastery. And I'll conclude with this in Ephesians 4. So land with me, this is the landing pad of heaven on you. In Ephesians four, and i me. Chapter four, verse one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. Does everyone look at this? You need, you, you get on your phone, get uh, a Bible Gateway app or Bible Hub or one of those logos has a good one. Uh, check it out, get there or, or pull out your trusty Bible. I brought mine up here. Pull out your trusty Bible. Ephesians four, you need to see it. You need to engage all senses. We don't have any incense today, so I can't do smell. But I can tell you this, you're gonna taste and see the goodness of the Lord and the directives of heaven and the intentionality of the Father's Son, Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter four, verse one says this, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. We don't use that every day now, but it's a a begging plea. Look, please walk worthy of the calling with which you were called is that powerful? We're being taught, this is a heaven to earth thing. God is speaking to us from heaven saying, walk worthy uh, I don't believe in works, I don't believe that it's all about me and I, I just trust fully in the Lord. Uh, okay, I get that. If you're trusting fully in the Lord though, heaven is impacting your life and you are being transformed on a daily basis. Three people agree, I, I'm so happy about that. It says with, oh, I'm hearing, I'm hearing sounds from heaven now. (laughs) Joseph. It says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. This is scripture, folks. Enduring. I think it, what does it say in your word? Endeavoring, which is, I I looked it up. It means zealously fast. (laughs) So, endeavoring. To keep the unity of the Spirit, that's heaven, in the bond of peace, that's earth. You see that? The unity of Spirit, we are bringing down in a bond of peace. It's a commitment of peace among us that as a church, we will walk together in a bond of peace because of the unity of the Spirit that is over us. Think about it. Where is that in our lives right now? Are we walking? in the bond of peace. We created our own theology, our own Christianity that's separate from the word of God. Well, I pick and choose who I hang with and who I'm with. and Some people I just don't like. I mean, we all have those people we just don't like. You know, we don't like people that are this way or that way or whatever. I'm telling you that it's not the spirit of Christ. There's a church that's being formed here right now. That we'll be holy and we'll be pure before God. Not in some kind of 1950s holiness thing where how you look and how you dress and all that stuff. But at the very core, love will come forth because we're, we're worshiping Jesus' people. We live in Ephesians 1 through 3. We are seated in heavenly places. We walk worthy of that call now on earth. It is our testimony, not just what we say. We've laid down our swords and we're taking up our voice. We're speaking with love to a generation out of a wilderness. Behold the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins from his people. Behold the Lord. Repent. And be restored to the Lord Jesus Christ. Make his way straight. Behold the word of the Lord. There's a passion that comes out of us, a cry coming out of the wilderness. That cry has got to come out of Bethel, Cleveland. In a sense, we are fed up with religion. We're fed up with what the world can offer. We are moving in a Jesus way. It will not be perfect, but they're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. I I was in the front row thinking during worship, If a transgender person repents, what does that look like? And the Lord told me, I'm going to raise up. This is going to be controversial. So glad I'm on the internet. He's going to raise up transgenders that will come into the kingdom and purpose of God. The Lord said they would be like eunuchs. I'm like, I need to research that. They will be servants of the Most High God. So, Whoa, well, I don't know what we're going to do with that. Yeah. There's two on that a while. I just gave you a little introductory course there. You say, you, do, you agree with transgenderism? I don't, I don't agree with anything that's bringing destruction or separation from God. Anything. And so we can speak truth. I mean, in America, anyone can pretty much live the way they want to live. But in the church... Lord calls us to holiness and separation. But if we come as any person before God, with sin in our life, he can redeem us and draw us into his loving kindness in a very powerful way. So what are we going to do about that? I'm going to let you think about it because I'm not sure myself. It says to, but to each one of us he's given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. I'll jump down to verse Let's go down to verse uh, 15 because of time. But speaking the truth in love. You got that? Now, we use that as a, we use that verse a lot for telling people hard things and being mean to them. I just got to love you, brother. I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. How many of you, when you hear that, feel really good about it? <laughs> it's like, oh, boy. I need to be honest with you. We have all these little <laughs> phrases we use that mean... Put your seatbelt on. I'm about to obliterate our relationship right now. (laughs) Speaking the truth in love is a truth that has been seasoned out of the presence of God. Sunday morning during worship, truth is being put in. Lies are being dispelled. Judgments are being dispelled. That's why it's so important to come together in the presence of God. Speaking the truth in love, we might grow up. Tell the person next to you say, would you grow up? Just tell them that, person next to you. <laughs> we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. Well, stronger together, I like that. Joined and knit together to what every joint supplies, that's you, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I mean, it happens that this month is our volunteer month. We collect. We start recruiting volunteers saying, help us out, help us out. Let me just tell you something. The church is a microcosm of heaven. It's a colony of heaven on earth. Serving in the church breaks prejudice off of you. Serving in the church breaks classism off of you. You're with people you might not normally be with in any other part of your weekly walk. But you come into the church of fellow called out people. And you say, in here, I'm going to learn how to work together. I'm going to volunteer so that when I get outside these walls, I have experience of breaking these walls and things that are in my own mind down. I've learned how to love one another. Church has become just the opposite. You get chewed up and spit out. Please, may we move in the direction of love. Let's all stand together if we could. Uh, your homework is to read the rest of Ephesians 4 oh wow so good the rest of Ephesians 4 says put off put on and put away <laughs> there's things we, you say I, I wait I didn't know I needed to do anything I just prayed a prayer and received Jesus into my heart yeah the seed of Christ has been put in your heart and it's going to take over this promised land called Steve Witt. <laughs> I'm still feeling it. I must have a big promised land. Because 50 years later, he's still finding areas that need to be taken out. So right now, I think, is it Jay coming up? Jay's going to lead us in just a few moments here. I know we ran a little late. Sorry. 11 minutes. Not too bad. But I, I just asked, let Christ love be formed in you. I hope nobody receives any judgment for what I'm saying. I'm looking in the mirror. I I have my own problems and challenges I'm faced with on a daily basis, but I understand the Holy Spirit. Grace was given to me through Jesus Christ to overcome this circumstance and to walk as a free person, full of love, embracing all people. You do that out of here into the place called the world, you will stand out as somebody that's advancing a purpose beyond yourself. And that purpose is hidden in Jesus Christ. Jay.
1: So good. So good. It's a good day to know Jesus, isn't it? It's a good day to be in his presence. It's a good day to give your heart to Jesus. You're standing in this room this morning. You're watching. Your, your heart is not right with God If you were to stand before him today and there would be a question mark in your heart, I want you to know that Jesus paid every price so that there would be no more questions. So this morning, if you would just bow your heads, close your eyes or keep my open, whatever you want. (laughs) But if you wanna give your heart back to Jesus today, or maybe for the first time, I want you to just put your hand up in the air You know we live in a time right now where you hear that phrase i'm just living my truth and i gotta tell you i am just so thankful that i don't live in my truth but i exist and live in his truth you see everybody else's truth is based on their circumstance or their lens that they've lived through they've got a lot of things that shape the way that they think life should go or what's right and what's wrong and it's all different but the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of God is that he is the same yesterday today and forever he never changes which means that you can trust and depend on him forever so I know that I saw some hands up, sorry I just dropped in my spirit had to drop that, that's you, put your hand up I want you to give your heart to Jesus this morning most incredible thing you'll ever do there's a couple hands going up, that's amazing, God sees you you're sitting at home too, put your hand up Come on, in your kitchen, your living room, put your hand up. Activation of faith. Can we give God some praise for people who are giving their hearts back to the Lord today? Come on, it is amazing. And what an incredible journey that Jesus is starting in their life. I remember when I first met Jesus, I was sitting at the altar and I felt his presence for the first time. And I knew that I was never gonna be the same. And I gotta tell you, my life, everything that surrounds me, the blessing, the glory of God in my life, I am so thankful every day for the day that I invited Jesus to live in my heart. So if you're praying this, just agree with me as we pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you for everything that you've done. I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, that it paid the price for every one of my sins and it made the path that led me back into relationship with the Father. So today I'm not just praying a prayer, not just reciting a formula, not just going through the motions, but I am surrendering my life to Jesus. I'm surrendering my life to the Father. I'm surrendering my life to the person who hung the stars in the sky, shaped the mountains, and knows me deeply and more completely than anybody ever will and loves me most. I'm giving my heart to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I get our ministry teams to come up to the front here? And um, Rachel, if you wouldn't mind singing just that chorus of holy water for them. This morning, if you need to, if you need some prophetic ministry or encouragement, our teams are coming up to the front here. They are trained and ready to give you a specific prophetic word of encouragement. But today, I just feel in my spirit, if you felt that I don't wanna live in my truth but i want to exist in his would you just put your hands up in the air right now you say god i want to exist and live in your truth not just mine my subjective truth and i'm just going to bless you father god in jesus name thank you that your truth never changes thank you that you are an incredible and worthy god and this morning we worship and we praise you as free beings under the under the blood of jesus in a new life with a new approach who can boldly come before the throne and release heaven on earth In Jesus' name, we bless you.